Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to our show, our platform. We are Option Forward. I'm always joined by the second half of the show, GQ Nesto. How are you doing today? What it do, what it do. I'm doing good. All right. Did you sleep well? Yeah, I did. All right. I got, I got, my, I got my naps in. You got your naps in. All right. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are in a, for a very, very special treat. I would consider uh, this gentleman to be someone who has defied the laws of gravity. And what I mean by that is when you are able to escape the situation and environment you're in and turn something that may be a negative into a positive outcome and learn from what normally separates family, which is finances, and utilize that to empower, instruct, and encourage. Um, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today, Mr. Barry Queen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I need you to, uh, you know, give me a, an announcement every time I walk in a room. <laughs> I like that. I, I got you, man. <laughs> I got play you. Play on that. Let me press play on that. <laughs> You're like what, what old boy said earlier. I got to wake up to positive affirmations. Yeah. He can't even get out of bed until he hears something positive. Now that, but that's cool though, man. I appreciate you being here. Thank How you. are you doing? How was traffic? Traffic wasn't too bad. I'm doing good, man. I'm blessed. You know, it could be worse. It's real good right now, so I'm blessed, man. I feel you good. You had an active day so far today? Man, I, my girl has got me. I've probably got five other things to do after this <laughs> Okay. Uh, that I don't even know about yet, but I'm good, man. Politics in the future for you? Because you, you, you be on the move. You be moving for what uh, I'm, for I'm seeing. I don't know, man. I'm open. Whatever You're God open? wants, man, I'm open, man. I'm okay. God-fearing, man. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Only way, man. Only way. Hey, you're right about that, man. You're right about that. Um. Wait, let's just get to the obvious, man. I know last weekend was kind of tough where you, you know, uh, being a, you want to want to just enlighten us on who, who's your team in football? Oh, man. Eagles all day. I'm from okay. Philly, you know, born and bred. Um, and it's okay. We, we didn't win. Um, <laughs> but a lot of teams didn't even get a chance to play in that game, you know. So I'll, I'll, take, I'll take my losses. Um, you know, we had a, a fair amount of wins this year. We'll be back next year. We'll be strong. We'll be better. Um, Jalen's young, yeah. our quarterback, you know, and um, we have a great offensive line, great defensive line, great receivers. We'll be back. We'll be back. I hope so. We'll I mean, I was going for y'all. Yeah. And yeah. I was kind of upset. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that, that penalty at the end really, really yeah. hurt. You know, I but you can, I, can you really put the game in the balance on the – like, come no, on, you had no, – we, we, we really should have put him away. Right. I will say I think Mahomes kind of fooled us because when he had that – when he when he kind of yeah that yeah, ankle know it, yeah. you know into the second quarter I'm like all right he's done hey God did and he right? came out well, and Jesus, ran you know Jesus will make a yeah, way you don't, don't think know, it man. was some miraculous I I don't he he I think he was kind of faking you know okay. I I don't know man it just he it was just on the sideline bumping his head then he came genius, out and played genius he played, move he yeah. played better yeah he did he played better or maybe something they gave him at halftime. you know what I'm saying a little coquina yeah I'm just saying I'm just saying you never know. Um, so growing up in Philadelphia, man, um, you know, I, I've had a conversation with you in preparation for this, this time and this space. Um, what was your, your childhood? Like, what was it like growing up in Philly for you? Well, it was very interesting, man. Um, grew up in a single parent household. Um, my mom, um, and my dad got divorced when I was two. And, um, you know, my mom, my mom loved me. Um, she did the best she could. But I had a lot of unique experiences growing up. Um, I would see my dad on the weekends. He was a basketball player, so that was kind of what brought us together. You know, hooping, playing ball. I was, I was a, you know, every weekend I'm playing ball with my dad. That was pretty cool. Um, but I had a lot of challenges growing up. Um, I don't even know where to start. You know, before I was in the seventh grade, I was expelled from three schools. You was a troublemaker. I was. You know, I was a class clown, I can't see man. it. I can't see it. I was a class clown, always seeking attention. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. But, right. um, you know, um, I got a chance to um, get out of a really difficult situation. Um, but it was a lot of challenges growing up in Philly, to say the least. All right. Um, I would say... From the outside, I think oftentimes as a society, as a people, we always look at the end product, you know, and we don't know that journey um, that led you to the point that you are today and present. Um, I know what you do for a living, and that's why, you know, we're here. We're going to talk about that. But explain how you explain exactly what it is that you do and how you arrived. 
you know, at this point? Yeah, so for the last, this will be my 15th year in business, um, I am a financial advisor. So I work with people to help them really navigate some of the most critical financial decisions they're gonna make in their life. Like, you know, planning for retirement, you know, getting a windfall of cash and trying to figure out what to do with it. Uh, running a small business, you know, trying to navigate certain decisions as it relates to tax planning. Um, you know, there's from A to Z, um, anything in that in that spectrum. I've got clients who are just everyday hardworking people, and then I have people that I work with that you see on TV every day. Um, now, how I got there, honestly, is really I don't even know how I got there. Quite <laughs> frankly, um, there was no financial literacy at all uh, growing up for me. I didn't know what a stock, a bond, a mutual fund was. I didn't know what an LLC was. I didn't know about any of that kind of stuff. I just knew that we didn't have a lot. And for me, how I got really into this line of work is, you know, there's a few things that I went through growing up where if I can think back on those experiences, it was a lot of the pain that I experienced is because of the lack of literacy that existed, um, that, that really wasn't there, and also lack of resources. So for me, I became a financial advisor because the way I looked at it is that if I could help people address this really critical area of their lives and give them guidance, then I can help people avoid pain. Mm. And that was that's kind of how I got into it, is I just wanted to help people avoid some of the experiences that I had. And even if, let's say, they already went through it, to give them that guidance so that their children wouldn't have to have those experiences. Now, uh, tell me about how your uh, your relationship with your father, I think you had mentioned something along the lines where uh, your relationship went kind of like uh, influenced your entrepreneurial spirit. Like, tell us about your dad. Yeah, my dad, um, I'm named after him. You know, everywhere I go, I, I can't escape him. Um, he, he was somebody that, he was the first person I ever saw that ran a, his own business. So he started a, he started a business when I was about 10 or 11 years old. I, it was just a corner store, but it was a big deal to me because, you know, he um, had employees. He would let me work in the store with him. I was actually underage cooking food for people, cooking cheesesteaks in Philly. Um, and it, it was a unique experience. And I remember at that time, you know, financially, it seemed like he was doing pretty well, you know, um, and, you know, without going too far into the weeds, there was a lot of things that happened over time where I just kind of saw him deteriorate as a, as a person, as a dad. Um, a lot of crazy experiences. I can tell you one experience I had, someone tried to kill him in front of me. I had to stop somebody from trying to kill him. Damn. You know, I had to take my father's gun and pull it on two men trying to kill my dad in front of me. You know, uh, I was 11 or 12 years old at that time. So it's like all these crazy experiences I had with him. And and then he lost that business. And when he lost his business, I just felt like I lost my dad. I feel like he lost himself. He turned into, he turned heavy to drugs, alcohol, a lot of other crazy things. And, you know, when I think about my childhood, for me, you know, it was my dad kind of being absent and then my mom kind of being upset that she had to be all these things. Mm. And she just couldn't manage it all. She was trying to be a provider, she was trying to be a mom, she was trying to be a dad in some form or fashion. She was trying to be all these things and she just couldn't manage it all. And then we had our own unique experiences because of that. Um, and so, you know, my dad, I always look back on my childhood and say he was kind of the a huge influence on me in getting in this line of work because what I recognize is that my dad really didn't have someone he could sit down with and just be truly transparent about what he was doing with his money. There was other issues as well, but I felt like by me being a financial advisor, I could be what my dad didn't even know he needed. And I could be that person for, for anyone that wanted to work with me. So. All right, GQ. No, I mean it's definitely uh, inspirational, refreshing. I mean, there's so many, you know, there's not really a lot of words to express that because it's it's something that obviously shapes you, you know, and and it, it 
you could either like be an asset to this world or you could be a liability. And I think that uh, understanding the liability part and then trying to better yourself, I think is pretty dope. I think um, it's definitely, it's something that obviously, you know, not a lot of people can balance to stay within, the, you know, the journey and, and not fall off because it's easier said than done, especially in, in, in Philadelphia. like. Don't you guys have like a prison in your stadium or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like yeah. that can't be good, you know. So yeah. that's pretty dope. Yeah. So you you uh you a baller though, right? So you grew up playing basketball, yeah. and that led you into college, right? Mm-hmm. So that how was what was your experience like? Was you you allowed your elect- athletic abilities to get you into school, or you know were you, you walk in walk you on? Know, my story is literally like just constantly bobbing and weaving. If I were to tell you how I even, and I did play basketball um, in college, I was a walk-on. I don't know if you've seen the movie Rudy. No, definitely. Um, I went through probably 75% of those things, right? And so I've just been a grinder, you know? Um, I, there wasn't a whole lot of preparation for me going into college. I only applied to one college. I remember, you know, I had some scouts come to a high school game and I had and I got a bad I had a had a bad interaction with a ref during that game. And I remember at the end of that game my coach telling me there was a scout there and um he didn't like your attitude. I had 30 points in the game, but it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's cuz I always had this chip on my shoulder, you know? Um I wasn't I didn't I just wasn't a whole person. You know, I was very broken. And I ended up using that, that, that chip on my shoulder to walk onto the team. Um, I went to Norfolk State University in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, but I went through hell for that to happen and, and, and I made that happen and then it ended up not even being able to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were so many things that happened from me leaving high school to walking on this team, I, I lost one of my closest friends to suicide. I was the last person he ever spoke to. Stayed up all night with this guy, and he ends up killing himself. Um, so it's like my story is literally, I just feel like it's just, I kind of just like constantly like just navigating significant trauma and challenges. And the basketball for me was something I always dreamed of, of doing, and, and, and I put everything I had into it. And it never quite materialized to what I imagined it to be, but it was the greatest blessing in the world for me because what actually happened is I walked on my sophomore year. Coach didn't let me play. I said, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I went through hell. What I didn't tell you is that I used to suffer from anxiety attacks, and I had my first anxiety attack um, when I was a sophomore. And I was a year of just constant like panic attacks like every day. And... You know, a lot of those anxiety attacks actually came because I had gone through all this trauma, all these experiences, and I never processed any of it. And then when I lost my friend, I think that triggered it, and then it just went down. It just got really bad. And so I went through all of this stuff to play ball, and then it didn't work out. But it was the greatest blessing because what ended up happening is that I ended up getting a job working for Bank of America. I was 19 years old. Um, I needed to figure out how to stay in school. I was still paying out-of-state tuition because I didn't have my own place yet. And um, that was pretty expensive. And so I got a job working in a call center. And it was 300 people in that call center. And it was a 10-hour shift I worked. So I went to school from 8 a.m. to 3, and then I worked from 3.30 to midnight. And I was the number one uh, sales rep in that call center. And I made more money than probably most people who had even a real job, you know, who were like in their careers because I had to. And I went to school, I went to work, went to school, went to work. Where did you find time to study? Honestly, I never studied. Monkey Um, notes. I, I didn't, I was so tired. I would get off work, I would try to study, and I would always fall asleep, you know, with my, in my, my book, in my face, and I naturally learned how to get get by. You know, mm-hmm. I finished I finished with like a 3.2 GPA cuz I was naturally kind of a smart guy, learner, but I never really had time to study. You know, I just I 
I was just like, I had to grow up so fast, you know? Um, and for me, it was like, there was no backup plan. Like there was no exit strategy. It was like, who I'm gonna call? Like I, I got, this has to happen, this has yeah. to work. You know, there is no, <laughs> yeah. there is no backup plan. No alternatives. <laughs> yeah, so. Do you regret any of that? Um, there, are, there are elements of that time in my life where I feel like I never got a chance to live because I was so busy surviving. I have a tattoo on my arm that says live, don't exist. And I feel like a lot of my life I was just surviving. Like I was just navigating circumstances that I was just dealing with the, the hand of cards that I was dealt. Like, you know, it was just constantly... You know, this is the most peace I think I've ever had in my life in the last couple of years because it's like I, I finally know what it is to breathe and live. When you are just trying to survive, it's like you can't even, you don't even have a moment to process anything because you're just like, it's almost like I was, I've always lived on defense. I'm always prepared for the next tragedy. You know, like something is about to happen. Um, and this is probably the first time in my life where it's just smooth. It's very unusual for me though, you know? Um, it's like I've had to learn how to adjust to life not being volatile, you know? Um, I don't know how to explain but, it. But don't you think that a lot of the stuff, I mean, well, one, do you, do you feel that if you hadn't gone through all that, like, do you think you would have a different outcome today? Or do you feel that regardless, this is this was your destiny um I definitely believe this was my destiny because you if I were to describe to you like what my life looks like now you would know that there is definitely a God like you there is no you know there's no algorithm for this you know um you know I I'm one of one in the sense that you know my fam my if you go to my family and you look at my family and you look at me you'll be like how did you get out of that? You know, like, and I love my family, but it just, you know, there was a, there was a purpose. There's so many circumstances where I could have lost my life and I didn't, you know, like I could just think of so many different things uh, where it's just like a grace over me, you know, and, you know, being in finance, it's interesting because there are a very small percentage of people of color that actually make it in this line of work. And, um, you know, after 10 years, you probably have a less than a 10% retention ratio. Um, and so being as though I didn't come from this environment where there was a lot of literacy, I don't have this rich uncle, this rich cousin. I don't, I, I don't have this, they had this Rolodex of relationships that I could tap into. I just literally built my business just grinding, just meeting people and just having a heart to serve people and just hoping at some point that would pay off, you know? And, you know, I started in Virginia, I was in New York, now I'm here in California, and it's like, I, I, I really couldn't, it, it, it is my purpose, yeah, for sure. That's cool. Can you explain, I know <clears throat> when we talked, we were talking about like what a custodian, like the terminology, custodian mm -hmm. and facilitators, can mm -hmm. you en enlighten us and explain what that e exactly means? Yeah, so when you're, when you work with a financial advisor, the thing that you must know is that that person does not have the ability to take custody of your money. They facilitate investments on your behalf and you sign some kind of contract or document giving them permission to make decisions on your behalf, to have discretion. Okay. So when, you, when, you, when I use that terminology of a custodian, a custodian is just the entity that holds your money. So. Bank of America, for example, is a custodian because you go to that bank, that money is held with that institution. I am an advisor, but more, most importantly, I'm a facilitator. So when you come to me and you say, hey, look, I've got this money and I want to do something with it. I'm not going to take your money and, and put it in an account, you know, in the name of my company or anything like that. What I what I do is I have relationships with custodians where I can park that money there. But there's a document I can have you sign saying, hey, I give Barry consent to make decisions on my behalf. However, at any time, you can contact that custodian without even me being involved and take every dollar you have out of that account. So that's the difference. 
so with you being like you know in finance <clears throat> like what and you talked about like as far as the percentages of people that look like us you know what i'm saying not being represented um how difficult was it you know because like you said like you if you don't have if you don't come from that that lineage of money you know like how are you gonna talk to me about money and you don't got no money you know what i'm saying so how was you able to get over that that was what you're talking about right now is the is the, my greatest victory because i was so insecure about talking to people about money because i didn't come from money and i didn't have any money and so how do you offer something to someone else that you don't have and you know they always say you know you got to fake it till you make it and i had to fake it until i made it on paper but what i learned along the way along that journey and i'll tell you how i literally got to where i'm at now is that you can equip yourself with knowledge and 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 also you can act with integrity and there are very few people that operate with both i've met a lot of people who have one or the other but i've not met too many people who have both and in the area of finance i learned that even though i didn't have a lot of money that i could still give myself away in those areas to people and over time, I can build credibility because as they begin to say yes to me, then eventually I now have credibility because I have clients. And then if I take care of them, they take care of me by introducing me to more people. So when I started my business, I didn't have a whole lot of money. I had enough money. Honestly, I went to the Salvation Army. I bought a suit. And I wore the same suit. I didn't even have enough money to put gas in my car sometimes. This is a true story. Um, and what I did was I would go out on my lunch break. Um, or really, not even just my lunch break. I would go out during the lunch hour. So I worked downtown Norfolk where I started. And I worked for a big company at the time. And it was commission only, so no salary, no nothing. And it was in an area where there's a lot of you know big firms in the area, a lot of restaurants. So I go out around 10 a.m. and I wouldn't come back into my office until I introduced myself to 30 people. And I would say, hi, my name is Barry Queen. I just want to introduce myself. Have you ever heard of blah, 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 the company I work for? And they say, no, I never heard of that. And I would say, well, uh, we're one of the largest companies you ever heard of, you've ever heard of in the country. We specialize in helping people with stocks, bonds, mutual funds, different things you may have read about in the newspapers. Have you had a fact finder done recently? And they say, a fact finder, what is that? And I say, a fact finder is where we sit down in a confidential manner and we talk about your short and your long-term financial goals. Now, during that conversation, I'm not going to make any recommendations to you, but if there's any things that I uncover, I love the opportunity to come back and talk with you about some recommendations that I might have for you. Now, I did that 30 times a day. I was about to say, because you had that down packed right there. Yeah, I'm like, I, I'm like, yeah. you talking to me right now. Can we make an appointment? Nah, but no. 30, 30 times a day. Now, did I, did I, was I this savant who had this, all of his language? No, but I learned this script and I had the heart to introduce myself. So I remember at that time, I remember meeting a client, a person who's still my client now, who happened to be an up and coming lawyer, black woman. She says, I'll meet with you. I was like, okay. And I sat down with her. She said, how can I help you? I want to do some business with you. So next thing you know, what's so interesting, she's one of the top lawyers in Virginia now. Met another person who's a doctor. He says, you can come to my house. So it's so interesting that I, I literally, that's where I started, from nothing. Now, going back to what your original statement was, I remember hearing no so many times that I had to go, I had to go walk off and cry on the side for a second. I'm honest, because I felt like when you experience rejection at that level, you're introducing that yourself to that many people, you kind of don't really feel that significant, you know, especially right. when you can't pay your bills and you don't really know where your next dollar is coming from. But I would overcome that rejection. I learned my, I learned how to overcome rejection by just constantly not tying myself to the result. I really tied myself to the action. Cause I was like, if I keep doing this, I'm going to eventually, I'm eventually going to win. And I won myself over. So I built this level of confidence. So now when I talk to people, I don't care who you are. Are you a millionaire? Are you a gazillionaire? That means nothing to me. 
because I built this muscle where I know who I am. And I know who I am because of what I did to get to where I'm at. So it doesn't matter, status, title, podcast, I respect this, but I know who I am regardless of whatever platform you put me on because I had to build this person from from scratch, you know? Sure. You know, And so I, it started back when I was 22 years old and I was just introducing myself, trying to see if you sit down with me and just listen to me talk to you for a couple minutes. That's crazy. Now I wanna go back to your tattoo though because I believe that's something that that he and I both are big on, and we try to encourage our family members to see it that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't you? Every I believe everybody has a purpose, right? And what I'm trying to get to is by you doing what you do for a living, have you established and do you feel like, yo, this is my this is my God-given purpose. This is why I'm here, or is it part of the purpose? This is definitely part of my purpose. My purpose is so much bigger than this. Um, there's a, there's a there's a verse that I, I recite to myself. I shall pass his way but once. If there's anything I can do or any act of kindness I can share with any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer nor neglect it, for I shall not pass his way again. I think like you are living in your purpose when you serve. And when you serve, you get more energy, right? Because what we give, we keep. What we hold on to, we lose for a lifetime. When you hold on to things, you're, you're, you, only, you, only can, you only need but so much as an, as an individual. A good meal at a certain point is just a good meal. You know, like you driving a nice car eventually is just a car. You know, so for me, what I've recognized is that I fulfill my purpose more when it's not even about me. And so what I've tried to do is just be a, a lot more open and constantly be open and be around people who... Don't, you know, inflate my head. Don't, you know, because it's not even about me. You know, I'm a steward over what I have. It's not mine. You know, like it could be taken away from me at any moment. And that's actually probably the most, um, the greatest thing about my upbringing is that I understand what it's like to not have a whole lot. So I don't really take, ser I don't take it too seriously when I have certain things because I know those things can come and go, you know, but I know how to be happy regardless of what I have or regardless of, Who's patting me on the back, you know? Um, and 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 I think that I bring that level of humility to the table when I'm in that boardroom and I'm talking to people or when I'm talking to that celebrity because I don't really care who you are because at the end of the day, you got the same problems that she has. And in fact, you could take your mask off and just have a real conversation with me right now because you perform for everyone else, but you don't need to perform for me because I don't really care. Yeah. And most people who have had a certain level of success, they just wanna be human with somebody else. And they actually are overwhelmed by their life because they're so used to having to be all of these things. And because they have to be all these things, what they do is they perform financially for other people. So they live in a house that's too big, they drive a car that they don't really need, they don't talk about issues they have with, their, with, the, with the IRS, right? Like, so that's how I find myself being the person that I am and being able to have the credibility I have because when I talk to them, I get people to undress in front of me. I get people to tell me things that they would never tell another person because they know they're talking to a real person. And I don't really care, you know? I, I'm not judging them, you know? I'm just a regular guy. That's deep, man. You know what I'm saying? That's deep. Um, thinking about your journey, um, would you say that, I mean, even today, you can go from the start into where you are presently. Dealing with all of the adversity and the obstacles, like what do you do? Like what are some things that you do to like keep yourself like mentally, spiritually grounded? Like, you know, everybody has their days, no matter how successful or unsuccessful you are. Like you said, you know, we all bleed, we all breathe, you know? So what are you, what are some things that you do to, to like, yo, I need to, I need to rebalance myself? Um, I teach hot yoga. I've been so. doing that for a little while now. I enjoy that. Um, I get something from that that really fills my cup up. Um, just being able to sew into people. I don't know, when I sew into other people, when I make people feel good, I feel really good. It, it just does something very special for me. So um, I do that. Um, I also 
I'm I'm not apologetic about setting aside time just to be alone, just to be by myself. You know, um, I get a lot of energy from just being silent. You know, sometimes like just I get rejuvenated by just being. You know, just taking some moments to just reflect on what I'm feeling, how what I'm thinking about, um, and just being honest. I would say I'm privileged enough over this last, you know, 30 something years of my life also to find a few people in my life that have just been a, a tremendous blessing to me, who I can confide in, who I can talk to. Um, I'm also a man of God, you know. Um, I'm a, I, I've been broken down into submission, you know, where I just don't rely on myself too much. You know, I, I, I rely on him. You know, and so I start my day and I just I try to focus on what I'm grateful for, because, you know, I say this in my yoga class. The mind is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. And your mind is always going to tell you what's wrong. It's going to tell you how you could get hurt. It's going to tell you everything to protect you from experiencing pain. And so if you if you rely on your mind to guide you, you're going to be in trouble. You've got to tell your mind what to do. You've got to override that. And so you got to be intentional. And so, you know, I've had moments where I'm like, you know what, I'm overwhelmed or I'm tired. And so I'm very intentional <laughs> once I hit those moments of, okay, but this is what I need to do now, right? Um, or how did I get to this point of feeling this way? And then thinking back on a, what was my, what was my, what was my routine? Who was I around? What was I doing? And then as I've gotten older, I've learned to say, I've learned that, okay, I got to this point because I didn't listen here or I was around this energy and I knew it wasn't good energy, but I didn't, I, I, I still, right? So now I'm, I protect my energy too. I'm very big on that. Um, when I was younger, I, I would say I was willing to be around just about anybody. But now I'm very careful about the people I surround myself with because I only have so much energy and my job requires so much of me naturally mm -hmm. that I've got to make sure that I'm around people who sow back into me in a positive way or who don't take things away from me emotionally. All right, so let's put your, <clears throat> uh, let's talk about like like your actual business and the transition. I know you started off something small, then you had an acquisition of something here mm -hmm. locally in, in the Pasadena Cali area. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so I ran my own practice um, for about 13 years. And um, I recently purchased a practice here in Pasadena, California. So I was based in Norfolk, Virginia. I lived in, in Chesapeake, actually. Um, but I, my office was in Norfolk, Virginia. I was there for almost seven years. Then I moved to New York. And I was based in Midtown Manhattan um, for about seven years. And then I came here to Pasadena. And I purchased a practice that had been in business for north of 20 years. Um, and last year. So I've kind of combined my business with that practice. And um, now I operate under the name Precision Planning Financial Group. Nice. And we're based in Pasadena, California. So, so you were able to come, you were basically able to consolidate your own book of business with another company's book Correct. of business and Correct. Nice. Yeah. So we've was, got was, was that was that challenging? Because I mean, I, I know, especially in this industry, that book of business is like it's like gold. You uh -huh. know? Yeah, um, there I can make a movie about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of moving parts to that um, financially, uh, you know, logistically. Um, but but yeah, um, everybody was able to transition over with yeah you with, with yeah no, with no hesitation. Yeah, it's been it's been a smooth transition, and it's so interesting how things work because the clients that I work with it just it's a fit you know it's just a fit um, and I don't think I'm hard to get along with I don't think I'm hard to connect with but I used to I remember I remember um, one day having a meeting with somebody and I was really anxious about meeting with this person because I wanted them to be my client so bad this was years ago and I was like man like I'm over preparing. I'm like, I'm like doing everything I can. I'm like, I need this business. I need this client. 
And I remember sitting down, and I, like I said, I take moments sometimes just to be quiet. And God spoke to me in that moment, and he said, I have already decided who is your client. You just need to find them. And it gave me the most peace I've ever had in my life. And, to this, and from that day forward, I never get nervous when I get in front of somebody. Because the way I look at it is, it's either you are or you're not. Yeah. So I don't feel the I don't feel yeah. the pressure that I used to feel because it's like it's already been ordained. Like it's already It's already been written. It's already it's already so like like when I meet people and they're like, You're a financial advisor, you're like they're already ready for me to try to sell them or whatever and I'm like, nah. <laughs> right. Like and th- don't get me wrong that I'm not um complacent in any way, but I just feel a certain amount of peace. And, and with the clients, you know, going back to it, it's a smooth transition because it's that same energy. It's like the way that it, it happened as far as me coming in and being the guy that's working with you, I'm supposed to be the guy here. And, and, the, and, and you'll, you'll figure that out. And, and they have. And so, yeah. And I'm looking to continue to build that business. I'm extremely excited. Um, over the next two, two to three years, I already have the vision. We're going to have a, a location in New York, we're gonna have a, an office in either Northern Virginia or Maryland. We're gonna have an office in Florida. Probably gonna have an office in Texas, and it's going to happen. And I have no doubt in my mind, right? Um, and yeah, and and how that happens, I don't know exactly. I have an idea, but I know it will happen. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's real good. Uh, <clears throat> so let's 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 change it up a bit. What do you think more is more important, love or money? love I've met too many people I've had over 5,000 meetings in my career and why I why I tend to speak so strongly about certain things is I've had some of the most intimate conversations you can imagine with people because when you start talking to people about their money you're talking to people about some real deep things and I've spoken to young people I've spoken to old people I've been the guy at the funeral who has the money that's gonna put the make sure the family can stay together? Who talked to the guy who's now dead, but who's the guy that planned with him and his wife at the kitchen table, or who planned with him to make sure his business would stay intact? You know, so for me, love, you know, is is essential because love. What are we doing all this for? You know, I, I've met so many people who are not happy and. You know, like I said, I've, I know people and I've worked with people and I have clients that have so much. And I've had those same people come to me and just tell me how unhappy they are. You know, and, you know, love is everything. It, it's love is the reason why I do what I do. You know, it, mm-hmm. money is not <clears throat> enough because there's a there's something in, a, in the in, in the financial industry called utility. OK, this is a real terminology. So what utility measures is one's level of happiness in relation to how much money they make. So studies show that at a certain income level, regardless, you will never, it will, there's a level of happiness that you won't experience over a certain level of income. So once you, for example, hit this income threshold, if you, if your income doubles or triples, it won't change your level of happiness because going back to what I said before, a bed is a bed, you know, uh, a meal is a meal. What makes people really happy is this, Com- is communion, it's, 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 it's con- community, it's connecting, it's relationships. When people don't have genuine relationships and they don't have people that they feel like they can connect with who understand them, who, who know them, that's where people feel completely lost. So let me ask you something. So if you can choose from two things, right? Like, like as far as identify yourself with, um, one, do you identify yourself with an achieved person or two, a fulfilled person? Definitely fulfilled. I used to live like an achiever. So the way that I would structure my life is, this is my day, and in order for it to be a successful day, I have to do all of these things. And, you know, for me, it's not about how many things can I do. It's more about what do I want to accomplish today? What is my purpose for that day? And, and then how can I do those things well? 
that's what the way I think now, you know, and because we're human, you know, like we let me I've, I've just I've called people. I've sat down with people who have a couple of hours left to live. I've, I've talked to people on their deathbeds like all these things. A lot of times that we do to make us happy don't matter. Don't matter. <clears throat> they really don't. And 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 it, and unfortunately, a lot of us have to experience so much life to get to the point where we're like, damn, like that didn't even really matter, you know? Like what matters is is really simple, honestly. It's really simple. We as humans make life really complicated. We overcomplicate life. It's actually really simple, you know? And I've seen so much death that I appreciate life. <coughs> you know, like, honestly, if you want to be real, I've seen and experienced so much loss that I that I, I don't overcomplicate life. But but life kind of just broke me into that submission. You know, it broke me there, you know, and I'm fulfilled, you know, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that said. With being an achiever, I'm a Kappa, right? So, you know, um, achievement in every field of human endeavor is is our motto, right? Um, and I'm a I'm a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. For if some people, I said I'm a Kappa, so let me throw it out there. Yeah, let me make it clear. You know, um, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Kappa, and 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 we're all about achievement. You know, that's a big part of of our mantra. But you've got to put achievement in its proper context, because what is achievement? Is achievement how much money you have in the bank? Is it how good of a relationship you have with your kids? Is it how you take care of your body? Is it the relationship you have with God? Right? Because for me, achievement is 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 a is a balance of all those things. It's not just one thing. But what happens is we come up with this definition of achievement a lot of times that's very very overweighted in one area. And then once we experience achievement in that area, we're not that happy because all these other things that are really important to us haven't really been nurtured, you know? And, and for me, I try to, my, my definition of achievement is, is, is focusing on the whole person, right? The physical, the spiritual, the emotional, the financial, you know, all of those parts of who Barry is, not just one. So as a planner, right, just speaking like in a speaking in a general sense, right? So we all have dreams, goals, aspirations and things that we would like to pursue. Um, oftentimes you hear people say, I don't got no plan B. It's, it's all or nothing. Right. So how many times should one fail before you admit and realize that, yo, maybe this is just not for me? Or should you just continue to just go at it dumbfounded? I think you should always be open. You've got to let go of what you had in mind a lot of times in life. I had no idea I was going to be living in California. If you would have told me when I was in college in Virginia that I would be here at this time, I would say you're lying. There's no way. And what has happened over the course of my life and what and to answer your question is I've not been willing to allow life to show me where it wants to take me. That's where I've experienced the greatest amount of frustration in my life, where I'm fighting life. Life is trying to tell me, no, get out of this relationship. No, this business was was your stepping stool. Don't don't keep these doors open, close them. It doesn't mean you failed just because you closed the doors, right? But when you when you have your plan and you are like, no, this is what it is, I find that you only frustrate yourself and you take that much longer to step into what your real purpose is. And you've got to have people around you that can keep you balanced and that can be honest with you and be like, look, man, like, you really like take a look at this. I'm not saying you should do it, but just just think about it, right? Being open, you know, like I'm constantly hoping that 
I'm open, you know, I want to be open, you know, I want to learn new things. That's why I'm really big on just constantly learning, you know, because when you learn, you, you, you know, you, they said, I don't, you know, the, one of the things that you learn, the more you learn is that you learn that you don't really know a whole lot, you know, because you just constantly learning new things. You're like, man, I didn't even realize this, you know, so just staying open. I, I think, I think that's the most important thing is just to stay open with that said. The common denominator that I've found amongst people who are quite successful in life is that you've got to be stubborn. It's finding the balance between being open and being stubborn. So this is what I mean by being stubborn. Being stubborn is I will not be broken. It doesn't matter how much money I have. It doesn't matter who affirms me. It doesn't matter what platforms say, come on board. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to, I'm going to be a good friend. That's what I mean when I say stubborn, right? The method is what I think we should be more open to. Mm -hmm. That's what I think we should be more open to, more flexible about. Okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> let me see. So I got this question I prepared for you, right? You may have looked at it. I sent it, sent it out. Okay. All right. It's date night. All right. Yeah. Come home from work. Baby, put your nice dress on. Let's go out. Let's go get something to eat. All right. Where, where would you like to go? She says, oh, you know that nice restaurant on the rooftop. Right. Yeah. You guys get there. Jazz is playing in the background. Lights is dim. Walk, you're seated. Right? You hungry because you you knew you was coming to this restaurant. You hungry. So you ready to eat. Sit down at the table. You say, darling, babe, boo, babe, whatever it is. What would you like to eat? She said, I don't know. Just just get something for me. I said, okay, but I know what I want, but I'm just asking you. What you? So waiter, waiter comes. You order your wife significant other, your girl, she ordered. You get your food, because you've been waiting on this plate, this meal, all day. Her food comes, she's not so satisfied by the way it looks. She grabs her fork, reaches to your plate, <laughs> and eats your food. Are you A, gonna switch, like, you know what? You obviously want this more than me, let me give this to you, or you don't get an attitude, and be like, I asked you what you wanted to order. All right, which one are we going with? Well, I, I've actually had this experience. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 100% of the time, I'm going to give you my food. Um, you know, it, there's something to be said for caring for somebody, you know. And for me as a, as a, as a man, as a significant other to somebody that I really care about, I could never eat that food without them eating. You know, we either gonna share it or you're gonna eat, and I'll I'll actually, wait. I wait. I actually, what you want though? Yeah, you know, this is a this <laughs> I, this is a controversial statement. This is a controversial statement. Do you know? Do women really ever know what they want to eat? Hey man, you can leave me out of that. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> you, you should definitely run for politics. <laughs> Great, answer. Great answer. You know, I, I, I don't I don't know. It's just it's, it's you know. So so I I would say I'm offering my meal, um, you know, or 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 you know what I'm gonna take the L and I just won't even eat because she might not even like it. And we just gotta both, you know. We I'm gonna wait with her. We're gonna suffer together. <laughs> We're gonna suffer together. Yeah. All right. That's so you got anything you want to chime in on that? What would you do? So, so, uh, I'm definitely ordering another, but I'm not sharing my meal. Yeah. Like you know what? Hey, order, order, get her what she wants. Like, exact same, same thing. Yeah. Like, nah, I'm just kidding. You would. <laughs> You're not kidding, bro. All right, but uh, no, nah, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to the end of our show. Um, as I do all the time, um, I open up the microphone uh, to our guests and to our hosts uh, to share any words of wisdom, anything you want to leave the listeners and the viewers. Today, we're going to start out with our, our guest, Mr. Barry. Is there anything you would like to leave with our listeners? Yeah. Uh, 
don't make a decision about life today based on a temporary circumstance. You know, don't draw a conclusion. That's probably the best advice or thought I have for people. Life can change so quickly. It can change for the good so quickly, you know. Um, and for those people who are experiencing life and it's great, don't take it for granted. Because life can just as much as it can change for the good quickly, it can go left. Yeah. And so be appreciative, be thankful, because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. That's probably the best advice I can give. Well said. GQ Nesto. If you love her, share your food. If you don't, <laughs> you know, just go to the bathroom and don't come back. But anyways, no, I uh, just want to obviously thank, uh, uh, thank everybody for tuning in. And um, definitely we, we appreciate your support. Uh, and that's basically it. For sure. And um, man, I would just say go after it. Whatever it is, find that happiness and and. GQ Nesto and Barry, we were very big on, on being a service to someone. You like find joy in helping someone. I think we we forget about that sometimes. But uh, we love you. We thank you. Tune in next time. We see you guys next time. We are Option Forward. We're out. <laughs>